top stories of the week. Don't be fooled by the ukuleles she's got. She's still, she's still Jenny from the Scott. Also, Prince Andrew donates millions of dollars to women he's never met. And Russia is definitely withdrawing from Ukraine. Definitely. Totally. Look, just see them withdrawing. Look at all the withdrawing. It's happening. Shh. Shh. This is News Weekly, and I'm never going in the ocean again. Hello, I'm Sammy Shah, and this is News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Beijing bluster news now. Prime Minister Scott Morrison has had enough. After being side-eyed by a bong-smoking grey stain, failing to convince God that trans teenagers were the biggest threat to his existence since Ramesses II, and generally tanking in the polls with numbers so low, he's basically guaranteed to win the next election, if history is anything to go by, let's be honest here. But he's not holding back anymore. First, he brought out the big guns. No, not a forward-looking series of policy announcements that will take into account some of the cutting-edge epidemiological research around COVID and plan for Australia's way out of this pandemic in the coming years. Of course not, silly. No, no, he did something far more cynical. He threw his wife and kids at us. So it's no surprise the Prime Minister is trying to appeal to the quiet Australians, agreeing to a primetime interview. Who the fuck are these quiet Australians? I've never seen a quiet Australian in my 10 years in this country. Every Australian can't shut the fuck up, including myself, by the way. Scott Morrison began by serenading us on the ukulele, a Hawaiian musical instrument with which he sang a song about running away from the pressures of work to a holiday on a beach, reminding us all about the time he ran away from the largest bushfires in New South Wales to a holiday in Hawaii. Take me to the April sun in Cuba. Oh. The singing grew an angry response from the opposition. Here's Shadow Treasurer Jim Chalmers. The Prime Minister's off uh, playing the ukulele and ordinary working families aren't getting a look in in this country. That's unfair to the Prime Minister. He may be ignoring ordinary hard-working families, but he's definitely not playing the ukulele while doing it. That is the musical skill of a man who has watched no more than one five-minute YouTube tutorial. Take me to the April sun in Cuba. Oh. <laughs> Take me to the April sun in Cuba. I can't remember the words. Oh. He might just be better at music than he is at politics these days. Another moment in the interview was when Jenny Morrison admitted to how hard it is to be married to the Prime Minister while raising their children on her own, with just millions of dollars at the disposal, along with all the resources of the state. Yeah, there was a time where um, I couldn't help, you know, feeling resentful that, um, that I was doing it alone and it was something that we both wanted and... And then it was only me experiencing it. But time's a great leveller. And um, as it went along, I learnt to cope better and uh, uh, accepted it. And that, that way, the resentment could go. Because that wasn't good. 
for our relationship. That's probably what the Prime Minister was thinking of when he marked 14 years since a national apology was given to Australia's stolen generations. Sorry is not the hardest word to say. The hardest is I forgive you. That's right. Indigenous Australians who were stolen from their families need to forgive the government the same way Jenny forgave Scotty for being an absent dad. That wasn't just it for Jenny Morrison. She also had to take the blame for the Hawaii trip, continuing a long-standing Scott Morrison tradition of not taking responsibility for anything ever. I am more than sorry for if we disappointed. And not if we, we did disappoint. Did we make the right decision? I thought I was making the right decision for my kids. I obviously um, was wrong. But, you know, yes, we're over there seeing and I'm like, we really need to get home. Yeah. So I wish that had never happened. But I can't change it. Basically, stop criticising Scott Morrison for abandoning the country when half of it was on fire and then not returning right away, it was Jenny's fault. Other things that are Jenny's fault are not ordering enough rapid antigen tests, failing to secure enough vaccinations last year, ignoring the repeated calls for his office to investigate the alleged rape of Brittany Higgins and generally delaying lockdowns for political advantage against Labour premiers. That Jenny, she's a terrible Prime Minister, despite all the hard-hitting questions journalist Karl Stefanovic asks her. You are refreshingly honest. Have you ever thought about a career in politics? <laughs> no, never, never will. <laughs> never, never, never. Are you sure? That's a definite from me. <laughs> oh, do it, Jen. That way poor Scott can finally finish the ukulele lessons. Take me to the April sun in Cuba. Oh. Take me to the April sun in Cuba. I can't remember the words. Oh. With Jenny from the Scot getting love from quiet Australians, Scott Morrison himself has gone on the offensive against Labour, accusing them of being made in China, just like the Australian flag face masks he always wears. And he said that... Scott Morrison is dialing his China rhetoric to 11. We've got another Manchurian Microphones turned off before the Prime Minister completed his sentence, in which he accused the Deputy Labour leader of being a Manchurian candidate, or Beijing's plant ahead of the election. The reference to Manchurian candidate is a callback to the 1962 film starring Frank Sinatra, in which a US politician is brainwashed into being an assassin for a communist conspiracy. And not the 2004 remake starring Denzel Washington, in which a US politician is brainwashed into being an assassin for a private equity firm called Manchurian Global. Because if Scott Morrison was accusing the opposition of being controlled by major corporate interests, well, everyone in Canberra would be a suspect. But the Prime Minister wasn't done. His Beijing barrage then directed at the Labour leader. And I can tell you, Mr Speaker, the arbiter of that is the Chinese government themselves, Mr Speaker, who has picked their horse and he's sitting right there. No one actually knows this, but Mr Speaker is the name of a horse in the next Melbourne Cup. The Minister for Suing People on Twitter, Peter Dutton, also got involved. See, we now see uh, evidence, Mr Speaker, that the Chinese Communist Party, the Chinese government, has also made a decision 
about who they're going to back in the next federal election, Mr. Speaker. Now that's open. The, that is obvious, Mr. Speaker. The leader of and the they House, have picked this bloke as the their candidate, the Mr. Speaker. So it turns out, according to the government, China is backing Labour, which is remarkable that China can tell any actual difference between the two major parties. Meanwhile, Mike Burgess, the chief of ASIO, isn't amused. ASIO is not here to be politicised. It should not be. We're here to protect Australians from threats to their security. It turns out ASIO might have to protect Australians from having to suffer this shit for the next few months until the election. Honestly, it's all so terrible it makes you want to go away on a holiday to avoid the worst of it. Take me to the April sun in Cuba. Prince Andrew's charitable contributions news now. Prince Andrew no longer has to sweat about what details might come out in a sexual assault trial because A, he can't sweat, and B, he's reached an out-of-court settlement with his accuser, Virginia Dufresne. A lot of people talking here in the UK about the fact that this settlement has happened. Why has he chosen to do it? And there is a sense in the court of public opinion that Prince Andrew may have done something wrong. There should be a sense in the court of legal opinion that he's done something wrong too, unless he's in the habit of going around handing £12 million to random strangers he swears he's never met before. Which is a lot for a guy who previously thought getting pizza in a British town was memorable. Why would you remember a, a Pizza Express birthday and being at home? Because going to Pizza Express in Woking is an unusual thing for me to do. So now that the case is settled, the British public is asking how exactly the prince will pay for this, proving they're not really understanding the concept of a royal family. You know, obviously, if it's very high, if it is over £5 million, I don't think Andrew has the money of his own wealth to pay it. So more than likely, the Queen would, in those circumstances, um, give him money. His mother, the Queen, uh, who, of course, has vast and very lucrative uh, land estates, uh, she may well uh, be funding or will be paying for at least uh, some of this. Whether you consider that to be public money or not is up to your politics, really. How is it political to think the royal family is funded by the taxpayer and the taxpayer will now foot the bill for Prince Andrew being a part of Jeffrey Epstein's paedophilia rape circle? That's not politics, that's reality. If the British public want a system where they pay millions of dollars for an alleged rapist to be bailed out of trouble by his mummy, then at least accept that that's who you are. You've already got Boris Johnson as your prime minister. Having any reasons for self-respect are long behind you. The strain on Ukraine is mainly quite plain news now. Russia has claimed it's moving its troops away from the Ukraine border, which it definitely is, if you ignore all the troops that are still at the border. Western intelligence estimates suggest Russia still has well over 100,000 troops encircling the country. It's like that old Russian saying, In Russia, troops do not withdraw from border. Border withdraw from troops. It sounds a lot better in the native Russian. It really loses something in translation. NATO is still worried, sounding the alarm of a potential war. Here's NATO's Secretary-General, Jens Stoltenberg, a few days ago stating the obvious. We do not know what will happen in Ukraine, but the situation has already demonstrated we face a crisis in European security. 
By the way, all his speeches do that. He doesn't actually say anything other than generally summing up what everyone knows. This is him yesterday. We face a dangerous moment for European security. Russia has amassed an invasion force on the borders of Ukraine. At the same time, uh, there are signs from Moscow that diplomacy should continue. Meanwhile, the Russian deputy ambassador to the United Nations tells the BBC it's all okay and everyone needs to chill out. It happened before. This is our territory and this is our troops. When you say placement of troops at the border, it does mean that they are standing at the border. They are in their bases. Sometimes they the number of troops in bases in increases sometimes decreases. This is normal process for every country, not only Russia. See, it's not a big deal. We're on our side of the fence. You're on your side of the fence. You can't tell me how to stand in my house, even if I'm standing at the fence, looking into your house with binoculars every time you shower. And sometimes they get a real estate agent to evaluate the price of your house in case I accidentally somehow end up owning it. It's not a big deal. So why such a hysteria this time? So this is absolutely artificial hype, artificial problem. And those who escalated this problem should de-escalate. And it's, it's not Russia who did so. Sure, Russia sent troops to the border, built up tanks at the border. Then Putin wrote an entire essay about how he loves Ukraine and wants more Ukraine in and around his life. But that's normal. Why are you being so crazy? America, meanwhile, has warned that Russia could invade Ukraine using false pretexts. Information that indicates Russia has already pre-positioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. False flag operations are when a country pretends like it's defending itself from an attack, while it's actually using a fake attack to justify being the attacker. You know, like America did at the Gulf of Tonkin, which led to the Vietnam War, or when they claimed Iraq had weapons of mass destruction and invaded Iraq. That kind of thing. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. If you like the podcast, as always, please tell your friends all about it. Head over to iTunes and leave a review and a five-star rating. It really helps with the algorithm. And head over to my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Shah, S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, where your donations will go a long way to making this podcast possible and continuing to cover its operational costs. I really can't tell you how much your contributions mean so much to me. Otherwise, I'm going to see you right back here next week on News Weekly, the podcast where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Weekly.